Welcome to The Pick, the movie podcast where every week we pick a movie and we talk about it. At the end, somebody else picks a movie. That's the power of The Pick. It's all about the rules. We are your hosts, John Otney. Colin Westman. And Sean Lemme. And today we're going to be talking about... The Rock! Oh, Rock, Rock! <laughs> yes, remember that song? I do... The, from the Chevy commercials. Yeah, from the Chevy commercials. Which were also commercials. probably airing around the same time as those Dodge Durango commercials starring Edward Herman <laughs> that I brought up on our Lost Boys podcast. Great time for wow. car commercials. <laughs> Bringing it all back. Yeah, now it's just like some like sh- overhead helicopter shot of a car in the desert and like John Hamm like, is talking about it like really calm. Back then, it was all like sparks and like mud and rack a rock. Those are the so, car commercials of my youth. So Chevy ran the Bob Seger like a rock ad campaign from 1991 until 2004. Nice. That's it was basically solid. our whole childhood. It did to the point where I was just like, when I found out that 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 song was like a real song and just wasn't the theme song <laughs> to those commercials, I was like, what? That's a real song. To be fair, you don't hear that song much. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that song outside of the commercial. I don't even know what it's yeah. called. Is it called the uh, a rock? It's called like a rock. <laughs> like a rock. When is it? When was it from? It's from nineteen eighty six. Okay. It is actually surprisingly long. It is five minutes and fifty six seconds long. Wow, dude. Wow, this album cover sucks. <laughs> What happened to the Silver Bullet Band? They're not cool at all. They they look like a bunch of sellouts. Well, I mean, dude, Carson are you looking at the music. single cover or the album cover? Um, the album cover. Let me look. At yeah, the that cover. does suck. But the single cover, <laughs> the single cover is just it. like super majestic. Like Bossy <laughs> just probably looking at like an eagle. Yeah. Probably. Yes. Yeah, stone majestic. eagle. Stone eagle. Um, but we're gonna be talking about the rock. Super American. I'll be fun. Uh, but first, we got to do our little picks. This is where we, uh, you know, recommend other stuff we've been checking out. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to go with a movie I just watched a few nights ago. The movie yeah. Freaky with Vince Vaughn. Do you guys know about this movie? Uh huh. It's Freaky Friday with Vince Vaughn. Yeah, in fact, murders. Yeah, um, the original title of the movie was uh, Freaky Friday the Thirteenth. That's a better title. I think so too, but you know, I'm sure those douchebags in marketing were like, "It's too long." But this is a Christopher Landon movie. Christopher Landon kind of just broke out in recent years with the Happy uh, Death Day movies, Um, and this is his latest movie, and it's. very much a horror comedy slasher movie. Uh, awkward teen girl switches bodies with a murderer who's Vince Vaughn. Uh, so then you get to see Vince Vaughn acting like a teenage girl um, trying to uh, reach out to his friends and they have to like get some dagger and stab the other person with the dagger to like switch bodies back and they only have like 24 hours to do it. 
And this movie was super funny. It's incredibly violent. It's a hard R. I love it. Uh, and Vince Vaughn is so good at playing a teen to the point where I'm like, how are we going to get Vince Vaughn into more teen movies? I, I don't think it's going to work. There well, is a you, scene. You get Rob Schneider, you make a sequel to <laughs> The Hot Chick. Oh, God. There is a scene in this movie that I was just dying where um, uh, the girl in the body of Vince Vaughn kind of uh, admits to her crush that um, she likes him, and they're in the backseat of a car. And they kiss. So Vince Vaughn kisses a teen boy. <laughs> it's so great. I had a blast watching this movie. It really feels a lot like kind of um, this generation's answer to, to Scream. I mean, obviously not as probably as a big a deal, but very much that tone and very much that same level of self-aware. Um, so I'm really excited to see if Christopher Landon continues to do these uh, movies where he just takes like a... I'm going to do Groundhog Day, but a horror movie. I'm going to do Freaky Friday, but a horror movie. Because it's a really fun way to kind of tackle high concepts um, in horror. So, I had a blast. Uh, it's an expensive rental. It's one of those, like, $20 early access ones. But I watched it with my brother, mm. so I figured, you know, that works. I'm, I'm okay with that. Because it made me laugh. Check it out. All right. Uh... I cannot say that my pick made me laugh at all, but I needed to watch it. Uh, it's Schindler's List. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really need to talk about it, but I just, uh, you know, I'm glad I checked it off my list of things to see because it's just one of those movies I've been putting off forever and ever to the point where I think I bought a DVD of it in like. 2009 which never got watched pull the sean is yeah. it that like super elegant one with like a slightly thicker case that you kind of like open uh super elegant. i think so in my mind it's slightly thinner than the average dvd case mm, that, yeah. that might be the one i had too yeah it's a little elegant yeah but uh, as for the movie you know i i think i was impressed by uh just like how un hollywood it felt i guess especially for like a spielberg movie like it didn't have that <laughs> he, he was able to like keep his his spielberg touch kind of restrained in that movie in a way that i uh, that's kind of stuck with me just because he kind of depicted the the concentration camps with just like kind of a, a matter of factness and a frankness that just doesn't doesn't hide the atrocities he just puts them front and center and uh you know it has a, a sort of like i think he was going for a sort of a documentary style but it also kind of has a, a, a kind of beauty in it too in the way that it's, it's shot in black and white um and, and i also really liked how oscar schindler wasn't really portrayed as a hero that much in the movie because uh, he was after all like a nazi sympathizer but um you know he did get those jews out of concentration camps it's just he also was kind of like just a, an opportunist just trying to make some money at the same time um i was uh <laughs> kind of delighted to see after i watched the movie i don't know if delighted's the right word but it was just like 
I didn't realize it until after I'd watched it that I only have one more movie on the AFI uh, top 100 movies list since I watched this and Titanic this year, which were kind of like the two ones I was putting off. Uh, Can you guys guess what the last one is that I need to watch? It's probably the one most people haven't seen. The Legend of Zorro. I wish. Uh, that, like, Sunrise silent no, film? I've seen Sunrise. Uh, Intolerance? I have, fuck, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's Intolerance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. God. <laughs> Which I don't even, like, I'm not in a hurry to see it, but maybe I should. It'd be nice to, to just have seen the full 100, but, like, yeah, it's a... It's like over a three-hour silent movie. <sighs> Fuck. Maybe someday. You know what else you can watch now is Band of Brothers. Why? Well, it's just another Spielberg World War II joint. Yeah, he definitely like had a phase <laughs> in the '90s. He's producing those Medal of Honor games. Yeah, well, I think I think people realized these these guys are getting old. They're going to start dying off. Yeah, they wanted to capitalize. Um, I watched Band of Brothers again recently. Mm. It's still real good. Yeah. Now that I'm a bit older than I was last time, it's those last few episodes that kind of hit me the hardest. Uh, especially there's one episode where the all the the people who've lived through most of World War II are like this whole this whole war is really done what are we even doing here and then they discover the concentration camps and they're like holy shit yeah um and that's pretty pretty crazy obviously you got a lot more of that in in Schindler's list oh, but yeah. yeah it's just a good time to watch nazis get killed yeah as it has been for years i mean you don't see that much of that in schindler's <laughs> list there's there's some uh you know some satisfaction in the end but uh not not as much as you'd like did you guys ever hear that story about spielberg uh submitting schindler's list as a class project it's a a great story so one of spielberg's big regrets is that he never got a film degree so then like years later in like 2002 he wanted to get his degree so he enrolled at like the film program at cal state long beach and uh, for his final thesis film, he turned in Schindler's List. <laughs> wow. That's a baller move. That's a hella baller move. Yeah. God, imagine if they're grading on a curve, man. <laughs> well, you didn't win Best Picture. <laughs> also, I kind of feel like that's bullshit. Like, he got to use an old film he'd made. He'd have to make like, a new one for the class. Yes. Yeah. He should have turned in Bridge of Spies. <laughs> well, this is, this is 2002, so what would that be like? Catch me if you can? Yeah. Oh my god, I only got a few Oscar nominations. You did it both. Well, now for something also completely different. Um, the new video game consoles have been released. They came out in November, and I got them. And the first next-gen game that I beat is called Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is like a sort of... A uh, sequel. It's like a half sequel to uh, to the 2018 PlayStation 4 exclusive Marvel's Spider-Man. Uh, I say half sequel because it's still like the same 
map of Manhattan. Um, I, it's the game is also out on PS4, um, and it's just a, a shorter experience too. Uh, but that ended up being something I really liked about it. Open world games are super long always. And like Miles Morales came with a remastered version of the 2018 Spider-Man, and I loaded it up, and I just had so many things left to do in that game, and I was overwhelmed. Uh, but playing through Miles Morales was was uh, a real pleasure, and it was nice to be done with it after not like having to play it for 40 hours or whatever. Um, it is uh, about uh, this young uh, child who has been given the powers of a spider. <laughs> And uh, and the other Spider-Man is out of town on vacation, so he's got to solve some problems all on his own. Uh, and he has all the Spider-Man powers, plus he can turn invisible, plus he can, like, electrocute people. You've probably seen Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I remember You know that. all these things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I feel like it, it does make some... Uh, those new powers make the the game a little more fun to play. Um, it has like less gadgets, which I appreciated because it makes the gadgets you do have feel a lot more impactful as opposed to being like overwhelmed by having a whole armory in your skin tight costume somehow. Um, and also the uh, the PS Five, uh, it's got this cool controller that can do weird rumble things. The other controllers haven't done before. Uh, it has like this uh, souped-up version of haptic feedback, uh, which you you can feel in this. Honestly, it's you feel it a lot more in um, the game that comes with the PlayStation Five called Astro's Playroom. Uh, here, it's it's a it's a bit more. Uh, it feels like more of like a gimmick where you don't like it's not really adding that much to the experience like it does in Astro's Playroom, but it is neat. And also being able to play video games at 4K at 60 frames per second is pretty cool. And I'm excited that that's where we're at for now. And I'm worried that when more next-gen games come out, we'll go back to 30 frames per second, which will be, uh, which will feel slow. But yeah, you guys been looking at those new consoles at all? Any any excitement from either of you? I, I don't imagine. So. I bought a console this year, Sean. I'm good for a while. <laughs> Also, it seems like people are having a hard time even like getting a hold of either of them. Yeah, that's been the case. They, yeah, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to have been really on top of it when uh, the consoles first went on sale, and I was able to get my pre-orders in. But uh, it was a real clusterfuck then, and it's been hard ever since. That was back in September. There, there just aren't really any games that are really grabbing me yet. So, as for the time being, I'm pretty content with just watching Jack Black play them on his YouTube channel. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's fair. Yeah, that is an interesting video because you get to see a lot of Jack Black in that. Yeah. Uh, if you know what I mean. No, I mean like. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't, I'm just kind of going with it. No, I mean, you get to see what Jack Black's penis looks Because <laughs> he puts on a skin-tight Spider-Man costume. Oh, yeah. I guess so. I wasn't really paying that close attention. <laughs> I guess you were. Um, yeah, you got a problem with so. that? I'm, they give it to me, I'm going to look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's a hell of a hell of a YouTube channel. It's good, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, I don't know when I'll get the consoles. I, I assume at some point they'll get a game where it's like, well, I gotta play that. That's when I'll get one. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. After all, this game is on PS4. So if even if you were a big fan of Spider-Man, you could still get it without having to get a new console. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but for now, we're going to talk about The Rock. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't yeah, sound like, that confident about that. Transition. Are we going to? Because... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I was just looking for some sort of transition and it just didn't come, you know. I was looking for backup in my brain, but they didn't send anyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, The Rock. This is weird now because, like, I, I picked it, like, in memory of Sean Connery, who, with the way the news cycle moves, feels like he died five years ago now. Like, it feels like it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, of course, uh, did pass on. And so... I figured this seems like a fun movie that I've never seen. Uh, and it was on Hulu, and that was convenient. And uh, it gives us a, a chance to talk about Michael Bay for the first time on this podcast. We've we've talked a little bit about him in some of our Roland Emmerich episodes, because they're very much uh, they're similar filmmakers. I think we settled on Michael Bay being more stylish. Um, and also having a lot more like macho dudes in his movies. Whereas there's a lot more nerds in Roland Emmerich movies. But not always. Um, also, Roland Emmerich movies have like th- three women, and Michael Bay movies have like one woman. Huge difference. This The Rock has one woman in it, yep. and it's Nicolas Cage's uh, girlfriend. And they do have sex. Mm-hmm. And she's not in it much. Nope. Aside from that, a lot of dudes. So many dudes. There uh, are two named women in the rock. Wow. That's are massively underestimated. <laughs> You're forgetting Sean Connery's daughter. Oh, that's right. That's right. He does have a daughter. I will touch because on that briefly. In those are the two types of women that exist. <laughs> you have girlfriends for sex, and you have daughters for protecting. You see this in Armageddon, where they use the same girl for both. So maybe that's where you're getting confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see this in Transformers, where you've got the mom and also uh, Megan Fox. It's just a it's just a, cl- a clear important paradigm. And later he will mature as a filmmaker, Michael Bay, and he'll introduce the bitch character. Um, <laughs> but we're not there yet. So is this Michael Bay's best film? It, it is that I've seen. Sean, is this better than Bad Boys or Bad Boys 2? First of all, Bad Boys 2 is more fun than Bad Boys. Okay. I didn't know Second that. of all, uh, I think the thing is you have to – is the question, is it the, is it the best Michael Bay movie or is it Michael Bay's <laughs> best movie? Is it Michael Bay's best movie? I think so. I think it is. What do you think is the best Michael Bay movie? This movie is pretty Michael Bay-ish. I th- I want to say it. I mean, the thing the the only thing that holds me back is it's been a 
really long time since I've seen Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2. But I want to say it's Bad Boys 2. It's like <laughs> him at the height of his bayhem. <laughs> I really like that, and I've never heard anyone say that before. <laughs> oh, um, no, I did not coin that. That is, um, there's a YouTube series called uh, Every Frame of Painting. Oh, I know that, yeah. I guess um, not well, but I know of it. Well, yeah, I mean, they stopped doing it like ten years ago or something. Okay. <laughs> but um, but one of their one of their episodes is about how uh, Bayhem is like a feeling of you know he's he's got the this approach to uh, colors and camera movement and uh, and action and explosions that other directors imitate, but no one can do it as well as he can. And it go. I think they go all the way back to his famous "Got Milk" ad, which yeah. put him on the map. I wasn't planning on going into the backstory of Michael Bay, but that definitely is the thing that kind of launched his career was those "Got Milk" commercials. Uh, he did music videos too, but those were like the big one. That's um, what got him bad boys. Uh, he seems like the perfect kind of filmmaker for commercials too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and music videos. I remember I I read like this uh, oral history of MTV where it it seemed like Michael Bay and David Fincher were kind of like the hotshot directors at the same time in like probably would have been like the late eighties early nineties and they both like didn't like each other at all and <laughs> it just kind of seems like they're like the two different roads you could go on for directors that were like honed like honed their style in in music videos is you can like apply that kind of stylish instinct to something like artful and involves good storytelling or you can just apply it to just being complete like sensationalism yeah i guess the thing is when i looked at michael bay's music videography i really didn't know most of the songs like none mm-hmm. of these like I, none of these were like oh that's an iconic video that's an iconic video yeah. i mean he did i touched myself by the divinals i know that <laughs> song but yeah. it's not like he's not someone like mark romanek as just like classic music video after classic music video yeah um but I would love to see like what some of Michael Bay's videos are like <laughs> and see if they're like his films, if that style carried over. What's so funny is all the things I know about the Michael Bay style, there's a lot of them on display in The Rock, and they just it almost seems like they just kind of work on accident. Like, there's stuff <laughs> in The Rock that is like... I don't want to jump ahead too much, but like I, I have this list of notes, and I'm going to be going through this as... Um, kind of our roadmap through this episode and i wrote there's i've noticed i have one note that says 53 minutes still haven't gone to alcatraz (laughs) and it's like there's a fucking huge like car chase i'm like why is this in the movie like it's great it's great but it's like we're wasting so much time what is this yeah but like that shouldn't work but in this movie it works yeah it's weird I think it has like a fairly like straightforward story and like it the the script is well conceived enough and the movie doesn't like diverge too much from the like main plot points but it kind of does a little bit which is kind of why it's not like perfect but I don't I think he like keeps his 
his more bloated <laughs> tendencies in check a little bit in this movie. And that's maybe why it works. I don't know. Well, there's so many elements that could totally go off the rails at any moment. Like, Nicolas Cage, this definitely feels like this could be, like, a really horrible performance. <laughs> it just kind of teeters on being, like, just what you want, exactly what you want out of Nicolas Cage without yeah. being too much. Um, or the fact that this is, like, an action movie that also stars, like, a very old man. <laughs> Uh, but it's Sean Connery, so it's cool. So it's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So this was 1996. So he would have been 66 years old, uh, or so, when this was released. Jeez. Well, hey man, just wait till uh, they make a new Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford's like in his 80s. Action stars, you know, that's just the new norm. <laughs> Hello, old action stars. But he doesn't feel like that old. Yeah. No, he's a he gets blowed up a bunch of times, and he's still alive, so <laughs> it's pretty tough. And also goes through some pretty cool hair pieces. And I want to touch on that briefly. Uh, so yeah, like I said, um, you know, as opposed to what I usually do, which is kind of go through the plot in Wikipedia, I thought it would be funny if uh, we got through the notes that I took while watching the movie. Some of them not, aren't even like in order, but I'm hoping that, and maybe this will totally blow up in my face, but I'm hoping that this kind of fleshes out enough of the movie um, in an interesting way. Uh, like, I don't even, I didn't even write down what the first scene in the movie is. Like, I think, I don't know if it was Ed Harris looking at Graves or if it was some other shit. I think um, it's both. Well, yeah. I think it's like him looking at Graves cross-cut with him breaking into whatever the security facility is where they're holding the... whatever those green orbs are. Yeah. Um, I do have some plot points in here. It isn't all just stray observations, so I, I think we'll get enough plot. <laughs> My first note is, uh, film was actually shot at Alcatraz. Me. Which is uh, pretty cool. I uh, that's cr- I don't know why it's so weird to me, but I don't know. They did it. Okay, and then I wrote, and you guys are going to have to help me remember what this means. Siren gas kills guy, makes him look all gross and mutant-like in RoboCop style. It's not a very good sentence. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the scene where they break into the like, vault and they get the sarin gas ball strand things but then like one of them breaks and one guy gets like left behind and then they're like oh shit yeah they like lock the door yeah they're like we can't let me out let me out yeah and then his face gets all melty and bubbly and he he dies Uh and then you have to know the stakes you gotta know what this shit can do how dangerous this gas is because uh nicholas cage's character is uh some sort of like what's he he's like a bio i didn't write it write it down he's like studies dangerous weaponized chemicals basically so it's gonna be yeah. important for his character my next note is uh nicholas cage builds uh rube goldberg machines in his office uh i don't remember why he's just a he's a quirky guy right off right off the bat i mean his name is fucking stanley goodspeed 
Mm-hmm. Sounds like a porn name. Sounds like a Boogie Nights character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's this quirky, weirdo scientist guy in his office. We also, the first time we see him, he, um, he also is unwrapping like something he just ordered, which is a, a with the Beatles record <laughs> that he said he spent six hundred dollars on, and I had to, uh, I had to look up to see if that's a correct amount. Um, and what I discovered is there's uh, early printings of the with the Beatles album. The first two hundred thousand or so copies had labeling mistakes on the vinyl. And they go from anywhere from five hundred to five thousand, depending on the condition. So six hundred are re- reasonable. Um, I don't. I guess you know this just goes to show, like this helps flesh out that Nicolas Cage, you know, this Beatlemaniac guy is he's crazy, he's kooky, he's a weirdo. Or maybe this is just something that Nicolas Cage brought with him that day. And said, yeah, maybe he just bought that. <laughs> And it's it's an interesting characterization for a Michael Bay movie too, right? Because usually he separates his men into alpha and beta, <laughs> and uh, I guess I guess you could say that that Stanley Goodspeed is is on the journey from being a beta and becoming an alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not a clear journey because like right after this scene, he he starts doing cool shit, and then he goes and has sex with a girlfriend. So he's <laughs> It's just it's inconsistent characterization uh, in in the in the simplified version of the way Michael Bay approaches human beings, uh, but I guess it's a, it's a complexity uh, that is appropriate to any Nicolas Cage character. What was your what was your guys' first impression of of Stanley Goodsby? Did you like him or did he have to grow on you? I don't really know how I feel about him now. <laughs> I guess he definitely had to grow on me. As much as I like Nicolas Cage, sometimes I'm like, just play it straight, dude. Like, you don't have to be coming out all guns a-blazing in your first scene. He had to win me over. Um, And I think he did. It didn't feel like this character was written the way that he turned out. (laughs) It wasn't written for an insane weirdo. Which, by the way, we haven't even talked about the writers of this movie. Do you guys know who wrote this? I don't remember. Remind me. So the credited writers are uh, David Weisberg and Douglas S. Cook. I don't know who those are. You you guys probably do. The important <laughs> thing you need to know is Quentin Tarantino and Aaron Sorkin both worked on this I script. I did see that. Oh. So weird. That Beatles thing makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Oh, script doctors. I like it. I like it. That's so cool. Uh, so maybe it wasn't all Nicolas Cage being crazy. Maybe it wasn't. Oh, also, I, this is, isn't isn't really a natural progression to this, but I wanted to point out that his co-worker scientist guy, the character's name is Marvin, is that nanny guy from Jerry Maguire who likes jazz, and then that he's also that other guy from High Fidelity. Yeah. Th- that guy was just like yeah. the ultimate like <laughs> loser beta friend from the 90s. Definitely. He's pretty good in this. There's that great scene where they put them in that uh, chamber of sorts where there's like a baby doll filled with the dangerous gas. Was that something that they had recovered from somewhere? Or is this just some test? I don't, I don't recall. But uh, I think they were saying it was like a package had been delivered. And okay. they, were, they were suspicious that it was a bomb. And they were right to be suspicious. 
Dangerous gas. The sweet green orbs. I wrote sarin gas earlier, but was that sarin or was there some no. like, super evil name, villain name? Sarin gas it? is real. This was VX gas. VX gas. But I always just call it the green orb gas. The green orb <laughs> gas. It definitely looks like something from a video game. <laughs> but we do get to see Stanley Goodspeed um, is good at his job. Uh, and it's cool because he has sex with his girlfriend. I wrote that they play the song World Without Love, which they couldn't afford a real Beatles song, so they have a song that's written by Lennon McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was fun. My next note is Bad Guy Crew, and then I list the Bad Guy Crew. So I guess we're at the Bad Guy Crew. I wrote David Morris, Bokeem Woodbine, John C. McGinley, Tony Todd, and Raymond Cruz, a.k.a. Tuco from Breaking Bad. What a murderer's row of character actors, you guys. Yeah, I was surprised to see that there's no crossover here from the crew in Con Air. Which is kind of a similar type of movie. Jeez. The ultimate, everyone thinks it's a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. There's really no crossover. It's even got John Cusack from High Fidelity. (laughs) Yeah, not really. It seems like... Mm. I mean, it's also like a high-concept prison movie. I feel like it was like a year later. That's insane. Of course, uh, Con Air, uh, directed by the immortal Simon West. (laughs) We all talk about him all the time, because he's one of our finest directors. He also directed uh, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, uh, The Mechanic, Expendables 2... And something called The Legend Hunters. Coming out next year, you guys. Look for it. The Legend Hunters. It's a completely Chinese film that he's directing for some reason. You know how we always talk about uh, three movie runs? I did not realize until right now The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off was a three movie (laughs) run for Nicolas Cage. uh, We don't really talk about actor runs. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely of a piece (laughs) with each other like the height of his action movie stardom yeah it's only downhill from there he did those basically in the span of a year those came out between 96 and 97 when did his oscar come was that before was that 96 or 5 before the rock what did he win an oscar for for uh was it leaving las vegas yeah Leaving Las Vegas was the movie he did before The Rock, 1995. Okay, so yeah, he just won an Oscar, and he's like, I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> kind of sounds like Bill Clinton. When I <laughs> Bill Clinton was also I'll thinking, I'll I just want. do whatever I want to them. <laughs> <laughs> they had a very similar 90s run. Uh, yeah, he was definitely in the zone. But, but it is interesting um, that, yeah, he's not playing like your traditional action hero he's playing like kind of almost nerd who kind of has to rise up to the occasion which is weird because now this means this is the second 90s sean connery movie that i've picked where the hero is like a nerd who has to become an action hero because i also picked hunt for red october and then that um that's true that's a weird coincidence yeah for where sure. they're like constantly being disrespected by the government people, <laughs> but they, he knows better than them. Um, okay, so we got the bad guy crew. Guys, who's your favorite member of the bad guy crew? Got one? 
I guess the, yeah, I guess for as talented as they are, enough they don't really get to do that much. I I mean I think Colin and I think Tony Todd is the most memorable one just because of the scene he has where he dies. <laughs> That's a great scene. Oh yeah, such. A oh great my scene. god, it's so good. It's so good. I did I write that down? I did write it I'm, down. I'm, we'll I'm pretty sure bit. I could quote the whole thing for you. You could quote? Okay, well, we'll get there pretty soon. Yeah. I think David Morris is the only member of the crew who really gets to do anything interesting. Like, I was like, ooh, Bokeem Woodbine, and then he doesn't really do anything. He has that moment of, like, should I shoot well, this guy, or should I not? That's it. And then John C. McGinley was just on this... For a long time, his job in Hollywood was just to play the asshole. Actually, I think that's always been his job, right? Has <laughs> he ever not played the asshole? <laughs> just kind of what he does. Um, He's an asshole. And so these are all, yeah, yeah. Dennis Leary. He's an Dennis asshole. Leary. <laughs> he could have been in this. Yeah. Uh, so let's see if I can, without looking up, try to remember their plan. So they're all former Marine guys, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. want the government to give them money so they can distribute it to like their families and stuff. Because of all the bullshit, like, missions they had well, to not, do. Well, not just their families, but the families of their, like, fellow Marines who have died yeah. in this, like, black op that the the government disavowed them for doing. So they uh, they take Alcatraz and a, a tour group hostage. A second movie yeah. we've done where a, a tour group is taken <laughs> hostage at a landmark. Of course, Universal <laughs> Soldier. <laughs> well, and technically White House down. Yeah, I thought that and was White House down. <laughs> No, I was talking about Universal Soldier. They took over Hoover <laughs> Dam. Okay. Um, so they make a call uh, to the director of the FBI. is a very surly John Spencer. Yeah. And they say, we're going to launch uh, toxic gas missiles at San Francisco. Um, unless you give us this money. And I don't know if, I'm sure they have like 24 hours. There's some sort of ticking clock in, in the mix. And yeah, it's a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's pretty pretty freaky. I like that you know we have this limited time uh, to do this, and of course you got to have um, Nicholas Cage to uh, to get in on this shit. Um, but then they also want to bring in Sean Connery, uh, who I guess was famous for escaping Alcatraz, um, mm-hmm. apart from being like a like um some sort of soldier in the Scottish military. Now, I found this strange. Like, it's a prison. Don't they have, like, schematics of that whole place? Like, it seems like such a hassle to to, to pardon this guy, this ultimate criminal, to break into Alcatraz. Like, it's a weird plan. I don't know. Did you guys think it was weird? I mean, oh, yeah, it's super dumb. It makes more <laughs> sense than blowing up an asteroid with a team of miners. <laughs> I guess the thing is, like... It's not it's not weird until you realize I mean it is weird but like it it, it even seems like an even worse idea once you realize like how dangerous this guy is this John Mason guy because mm-hmm. there's that whole sequence where he escapes and the <laughs> amount of damage he must cause in that escape attempt no way it's possibly worth it I mean obviously they prevail at the end so I guess it was worth it but it's just Jesus man what a waste of time with this guy <laughs> It's it's such a strange sequence this whole escape uh, because um, we, you find out what he's doing is he's escaping to go see his daughter, 
But he was in a position where he was making demands of the FBI. He could have just said, I want you to bring my daughter to me so I can talk to her, and then I'll help you. And they would have done it. Like They, they brought, they brought a, a flamboyant gay barber to cut his hair. They would have also brought him his daughter, no problem. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, they... Uh... Because he, he gets the request to go to the nice hotel, so obviously yeah. he can make some demands. And he got, like, the suit. So, I mean, one of the things this movie has the reputation for, which I don't think is deserved, I don't feel like they deliver on this at all, okay. but they what people say is, like, this is Michael Bay, like, doing his version of James Bond. Like, like Sean Connery's, like, playing, like, what if James Bond had been arrested and he's, like, hardened by jail and he's, like, in America now? And I just, I don't see that at all. This this character does not have any of the suaveness of, of James Bond. It, I, I think it's a it's a totally different type of character, but I mean that's I mean you were hitting at his history where you, like he he was a spy who was disavowed and captured that like that's sort of the like oh get it he's like James Bond, yeah, yeah. Though he is hilarious because remember that scene where he first meets Nicolas Cage and uh, Sean Connery has like the savage long hair, yeah, yeah, and he's like I think you're gonna need a haircut and he's like. What is it out of fashion? And then he's like, <laughs> "This is." I was watching the movie, so this isn't exact, but this is. I tried to write it down, like as I was watching it, and it's uh, Nicholas Cage. Some says something to the effect of like, "Unless you're a twenty-year-old guitarist from Seattle, it's a grunge thing." <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, that was a hilarious sequence. Also, I think we should have "It's a grunge thing" on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, are you disappointed that Forrest Gump didn't invent grunge in Forrest Gump 2? Like, that didn't happen? It's, it's pretty sad. Yeah, my disappointment about Forrest Gump 2 is limitless. Because <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities were limitless. <sighs> Sigh. Damn, fucking 9-11, man. That's really the thing that ruined Forrest Gump 2. For serious, like that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Did they have like a script done and they were like uh, gonna shoot it? I think it. they had something. But, but then nine eleven happened. Yeah, that just wasn't didn't make sense anymore. I wonder if you can find that script. I don't know. This movie totally in the nineties zone, nineties humor, nineties in your face. Uh, so, like I said, they take him to this hotel and he plans an elaborate escape attempt. Also, there's a very flamboyant barber character, which I'm sure Michael Bay thought was so fucking hilarious. God. <laughs> this is his sense of humor. Michael Bay's sense it's of just... humor in films is bizarre. You remember when we watched Pain and Gain? I think... <laughs> yeah. Colin, you, 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 we watched all of it. I think everyone else just watched thing. part of it because it's yeah. over the course of like two days. Uh-huh. And, like, that's another movie where I feel like he takes, like, really inappropriate moments and tries to, like, it's funny, though, right? It's fucking funny. Yeah. Remember, this doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about. Remember when The Rock uh, barbecues a human head? (laughs) And then there's text on the screen that says, this is what really fucking happened. When we're talking about the movie The Rock, I need you to refer to him as Dwayne Johnson. I'm sorry. Dwayne Johnson in Pain and Gain. Yes. Um, DJ, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Um, but that's what he thinks is funny. Luckily, there are this movie, The Rock, not the Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> uh, doesn't have as much of that. 
Uh, it's got great humor, like the grunge bit, like I was just talking about. And uh, and John Spencer being thrown off a building. <laughs> John Spencer gets thrown <laughs> off a building. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, intentionally funny, but it is a, a very funny <laughs> image. <laughs> I did right, yeah. Throws John Spencer off a roof. I thought that was worth noting. Oh, before that I wrote, the barber says, "Are you, tell me, were you at least happy with your haircut? Because that's all he cares about. Um, but yeah, then we get a really amazing car chase. Uh... Which I was not expecting in this, like at all. Like, I was this totally blindsided me. I mean, it's got everything you could possibly want. He, it's a water truck. Car flips over. Sean Connery says, "I hope you're insured." Um, a trolley blows up. Like just fucking oh, explodes. God, it doesn't just explode. It like explodes up into the air. <laughs> That's the best kind of movie it gets, explosion. Gets airtime. When when yeah, airtime explosions. When a vehicle goes up. Not yeah. out, up, uh, uh, out and up. It's really uh, incredible. Um, yeah. But that's also when I wrote the note. Fifty-three minutes still haven't gone to Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> really? So Ed, Ed Harris and the others haven't gone to Alcatraz at this point. Well, they're in Alcatraz. It's just the good guys haven't gone to Alcatraz okay. at okay. this point. They're there. Yeah. The good guys haven't gone there. I got the time code for when they go to Alcatraz. Um, yeah, he meets up with his daughter. I noted that Celtic music plays because, of course, it does. Uh, it plays at the end too, where they're like near a bunch of water. It's got big Titanic vibes. But yeah, that weird ki- it's got Titanic flute in it. Even, even though it hadn't come out yet, I think it's like the next year was Titanic. Um, but Nicolas Cage, I guess, like he like he respects his game, so he tries not to humiliate him in front of his daughter. And just like, oh, we gotta go get to a mission, right? <laughs> Instead of like, oh, he just escaped from the FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, yeah, I don't know what Sean Connery's thinking. This was a bad plan. <laughs> he's he's just a criminal, man. Criminals aren't smart. They just do whatever it takes to survive. Uh, so yeah, he's basically. But yeah, the deal. The deal is also he says like, he doesn't remember the layout, but he'll remember it if he goes there. So he's like, you got to bring me to the rock. That makes sense. Sometimes like I don't know where where I'm going until I'm going there. I guess it just makes me think about what John mentioned, where it's like they probably have the schematics for this. (laughs) Yeah, blueprints. Right? They built only It's only the most famous prison in history. They have tours of it, like, you know, multiple times a day. They don't know about all the secret passages, though. <laughs> so, I mean, I give, I, I, I would give this one to him. Because the whole idea is, like, they thought this, they thought Alcatraz was inescapable, and he found a way to escape. Mm-hmm. So, I think the idea is he knows, he knows some sort of passage that, that is not on the schematics. Like, it shouldn't exist. Yeah. Maybe. And, yeah, schematics, it's just, it's blueprint. It's hard to believe they never would have found it. It... Well, yeah, it is hard to believe, and that's okay. It's an action. It's a dumb action movie. You don't have to. You don't have to buy an air. I mean, all these people would be dead. Yeah, they would have just launched the the rockets. <laughs> Whatever. I think my thing is, I would have been okay with him knowing all this stuff had he not been like one of the most dangerous criminals in the world, apparently, because <laughs> of how good he is at escaping. Like, it just doesn't seem worth it at that point. 
Yeah. But uh, again, obviously, it is in, uh, at the end of the movie. Um, so I think we should be clear for if, if someone is listening to this and they haven't seen it because it does it does make it sound like the way John describes it, it makes it sound like he's a really bad dude. <laughs> he he was he was a spy and he stole from the U.S. government a, uh, a, 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 a pictures of a secret file that has like all all the government secrets. So it's like who shot JFK, what happened at Area Fifty One. Uh, you know, it's like all the all the fun conspiracy theories. He he has that evidence, um, and and instead of returning it to the government uh, when he was captured, he kept it secret, and that's why he's in prison. So it's not he's not like a violent killer. He, I meant dangerous a, in terms of incredibly reckless. <laughs> he is incredibly, but I mean he he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> I just I mean, do we know how many people died in that car chase? <laughs> That one, there's that car that flips over and he says, I hope you're insured. <laughs> well, I hope he's alive. I don't know for sure if he is. But yeah, yeah, I guess he's not the kind of dangerous I've been uh, making him out to be. He's fun dangerous. Uh, so he's on board. And we get to meet the good guy Marines and they suck because all they have is like Michael Bean. <laughs> And they might have a couple other guys who went on to be on like TV shows, but not nearly as impressive as the bad guy lineup. So you know these guys are all gonna fucking die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I write it down they finally get to Alcatraz, the good guys, sixty four minutes into the film. Um, and it's pretty cool because the way they get into it, uh, Alcatraz is there's like this kind of like vent or tunnel where like you have to like perfectly time dodging through like these flames yeah it's like this is the ultimate like video game challenge whoa 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 you're skipping over the part where they thunderball their way into alcatraz using sweet scuba gear i don't even remember that don't even remember the sweet scuba gear i didn't make a note of it (laughs) didn't feel enough like a video game apparently (laughs) i like that part Colin, I like you're the scenes. you're the tiebreaker here. Sweet scuba scene worth discussing. I don't really remember it, so no. <laughs> <laughs> you just remember watching Sean Connery roll under fire. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> under fireballs. That kind of thing you don't forget. Scuba, Sean Connery doing scuba stuff. I've seen it before. It's a thunderball. Yeah, you already made that movie twice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sweet video game challenge. He knows all the cheat codes. Alcatraz. Again, I apologize I'm skimming over stuff because I just wrote little tidbits here and there. I'm not reading through the plot anywhere else. My next note is, um, uh, good army dudes face off against bad army dudes. This scene is the dumbest scene! (laughs) It's pretty funny, though. Because they, like, they, they try to sneak in and... I can't remember if they know, like, they have a feeling that they're walking to a trap or if they're, like, pretty confident when they're going up that ladder through that vent that, like, this is a safe spot. They're um, pretty confident because they run into the John C. McGinley motion detector. Yeah. But they don't think they set it off. But John C. McGinley is right. smarter than them. So they're there and ready. So they appear, and then immediately, almost immediately, all the bad guy Marines swarm the area. <laughs> And they have the upper ground, and Ed Harris is, like, telling them, just put down your guns, you know, it's not worth it, we have the upper ground, you will lose. 
But the good guy Marines, for some reason, are just like, no, man. We're going to. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. And it's like, you have like a 0% chance of winning this face off. There's like. It seems like you have less guys, even. Like, and you have a terrible position. Uh, but I guess. Uh, doesn't somebody accidentally fire something or make a noise and that sets off the gunfire? Uh, I, I just remember them like panicking. And yeah, starting there's to some sort of panic, panicky move, and everyone starts shooting each other, and all the good guy marines just get fucking destroyed. And then down in the sewer area, there's even like that one extra soldier who's like, I gotta go up there, I gotta go up with my guys. And like, you'll get killed, no, I gotta go up there. And he goes out there and he gets killed immediately. He like falls right back down the ladder. <laughs> Not worth it. What are you it's doing? So dumb. Uh, but I have to say, I fucking love this decision that the movie makes. That now the team has been reduced to a guy who can't fight and a guy who's like sixty-six years old. It's awesome. <laughs> the odds are so against them. It's great. Um. And so yeah, and the big chunk of the movie is just them sneaking around like a stealth video game, uh, killing guys one at a time. Um, I wrote that there's like a sweet minecart area of Alcatraz, so that's what it kind of looks like almost. <laughs> like there's like almost track or something, and they're just killing I, dudes. I love the first scene where they they disarm the first bomb because it's. I think that's the peak of Nicolas Cage's acting in this movie because he's he's like talking about how stressed out he is and he's just like really freaking out and like it's the only scene in the movie where Sean Carney just like takes it back seat. It's like, whoa, okay, man, you. <laughs> You get this one. Is that the one where he's making Sean Connery hold the green balls? Yeah. That is a good scene. I remember that now. That was cool. Um, I don't have much else until the end. Is there any uh, other uh, fun action sequences in Alcatraz? They, they, uh, they fire a missile. Uh, that's I think that's pretty memorable. Because, like, the big test is, like, how is Ed Harris really going to be a bad guy? He seems like such a good good dude. And then he actually fires the missile, and you're like, oh, man, he's a bad guy. But then he's the one, isn't he the one that makes it crash? Yeah, he, uh, he sends it. I mean, Colin, you probably noticed they said they fire it at Oakland, and then it's clearly Candlestick Park it flies over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part's weird. Uh, it's like, why don't but they yeah, just he, use the Coliseum? <laughs> oh well. Uh, but yeah, you see him typing on a computer, so you know it's it's him, and that that leads to the the heated confrontation between the uh, the Marines who just want to get paid at this point and are willing to kill people. And, I, uh, I, I Ned Harris. I was just gonna say, I do really like that. Ed Harris was like, I was literally, I was just trying to call their bluff. I never planned on like killing a bunch of people. I found that really interesting that he wasn't just straight up evil doer with like plan that doesn't make like sense. Like he was trying something. He was trying to call their bluff, and he had his reasons, which are, you know, I mean, reasonable in some form. Like I get where he's coming from, kind of. Like I can sort of sympathize with him. In a weird way. Yeah, the disillusioned soldiers, sure. Yeah, I appreciated that. And that he didn't actually want to kill people. I mean, the other Marines, uh, they don't give a fuck. 
but I was, I was won over by that. I liked that. Uh, I, you know it's weird? I feel like the revolt of the bad guy Marines is led by like the one character actor who I do not recognize. There's like some kind of skinny white guy who's like leading the pack of like fuck you, but I don't know who that guy is. Does anyone know who that guy is? You know what I'm talking about? The guy about? who like I know vaguely who you're seems like about. he's racist. I think it's... Or he has, he has like bad values. I think it's this actor, Gregory Sporletter. Mm-hmm. Who apparently was also in Twister, which is a great movie, also from the same year. And by great movie, I just mean it's a fun movie. It's a bad movie. He's also in SWAT as Robber Number One. Okay, guys, we need to talk about Tony Todd's death in The Rock. <laughs> Somebody walk me through it. So they they've split up at this point, and and Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage is disarming the missiles while uh, Sean Connery is trying to distract everyone. And Nicholas Cage gets to the last missile he needs to disarm, but someone is there waiting for him, and it's Tony Todd. You can go, you can go ahead now, Colin. <laughs> okay. Tony Todd, I don't know, he says something like, stop right there, and he's like... <sighs> Nicholas Cage says, he pulls out the, the green orb things, and he's like, do you know how this works? Uh, or he says do you know how this shit works and tony todd pulls out a knife and he's like do you know how this shit works <laughs> and then he's just like come on man and he just like wants to fight it with his knife and then nicholas cage starts like fooling around with this little rocket button and he's like hey do you like the song rocket man by elton john oh yeah and tony todd says i don't listen to soft ass shit and then <laughs> Nicolas Cage is like, oh yeah? Well, you're him. You're the rocket man. And then he presses a button. It shoots a rocket, hits Tony Todd directly, smashes him out of a window. Then he falls like three stories onto a pipe, just sticking out of the ground, and he's impaled. He's impaled so far. He's impaled like six feet down this pole. It's great. It's really great. It's perfect. It's like a minute scene, but every second is used perfectly <laughs> every line is perfection <laughs> i mean yeah if this movie had gotten a best picture nomination that would be the clip you play or if they played it at the mtv movie awards how many mtv movie award nominations do you think the rock got probably a few I think I saw it in right, one, it maybe like best duo or something. <laughs> oh, so it's confirmed that not only was it nominated for MTV Movie Awards, that it won some MTV Movie Awards. Yeah. It was also nominated for uh, Best Sound at the Oscars. All right, I'm going through the awards section on uh, the IMDBA. Wow, Cinema Audio Society. Man, people love the sound of this movie. <laughs> Lots lots of rockets and jets. Yeah, it it did win for best on screen duo at the MTV Movie Awards. It also was nominated for best film and best action sequence. I would love to see what its competition was for best on screen duo. I wonder if Face Off was also in there. Well, Colin, I'm scrolling through it now because you can actually click the award ceremonies, and IMDb will take you yeah. to the uh, to the to the all the nominees. I can tell you, it lost action sequence to Twister. Mm-hmm. 
Who did I say was also in tw- Gregory Sporletter? He's, what a year he was having. <laughs> I can tell you Matthew McConaughey won Best Breakthrough Performance for A Time to Kill. Uh, Jim Carrey won Best Comedic Performance. Now no, I'm just having a fun time looking through all of these. <laughs> Claire Danes won for Female Performance for Romeo and Juliet. Take that, Helen Hunt, for Twister. By the way, I looked it up. Face Off also wins in 1998 for Best Duo. So Nicolas oh. Cage back to back. He's nice. just—he's a good friend. <laughs> wow, The Craft won for Best Fight. It beat First Strike. That's fucked up. And Mars Attacks for when Jim Brown fights the aliens. <laughs> but that's a very brief shot. <laughs> Independence Day won Best Kiss. In case you guys were wondering. I can't believe it beat Romeo and Juliet. Independence Day wins Best Kiss. Yeah, it beat uh, Bound, a very Brady sequel, Romeo and Juliet, and Phenomenon, that movie where John Travolta is like, I know everything, (laughs) but also I have a tumor. Who kisses who in Independence Day? Uh, Will Smith kisses Vivica A. Fox, I I guess, in a scene. I don't remember it. I've seen that movie many times. I remember at the end they're like celebrating in the desert. Maybe they kiss. I feel like they're just more hugging. Uh, best male performance was Tom Cruise for Jerry Maguire. God, why did Phenomenon with John Travolta get so many <laughs> nominations? <laughs> this is the last time you ever heard anyone talk about Phenomenon. Ugh. He even well, God, 1997 and then now. Best movie went to Scream. Scream beat The Rock. I'm just going to finish out the rest of these categories. Movies. Weren't we trying to see who the other nominees were for, <laughs> for best duo? For movie? Oh, no, for duo. For best on-screen duo. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm going through the entire award show. There's a lot to process. I'm sorry. Did you best on-screen duo after best picture? Uh, What's well, a weird order. Oh, man, Phenomenon lost best song. It didn't win anything. Okay, I finally got into best on-screen duo. Um... The nominees. The Rock, Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage. Beavis and Butthead, <laughs> Do America. Yeah. For Beavis and Butthead. So Mike uh, Judge and Mike Judge? Mike Judge and Mike Judge. Mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> for Leo and Claire Danes. The Birdcage for Robert Williams and Nathan Lane. <laughs> and of course Fargo. Steve Semi and Peter Stone. <laughs> Kids yeah, love those that guys shit. Loved each and and those two characters were such a classic duo. They're a classic duo. Remember when he puts him in a wood chipper because he's so annoying? <laughs> he hates him so much. Ooh, Jim Carrey won for best villain for the cable guy. Got way too many wins. Star Wars: A New Hope got a lifetime achievement award. What a, this is? I love this ceremony. This is so funny. <laughs> The, the winner in 2000 for best on-screen duo is yeah. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Do you know who the duo are? Seductor Evil and Mini-Me? It I, presumably is. It just says Mike Myers and Vern Troyer. Okay. So I, I, I assume it's those two. Yeah. I think that's interesting that they went with the villains. <laughs> Fast and Furious did win best duo, Vin Diesel, Paul oh, Walker. hell yeah. So. Bizarrely, yeah. I think this is controversial. Okay. On-screen duo is the name of the category. They gave it in 2003 to 
Sean Astin, Andy Serkis, and Elijah Wood in Lord of the Rings. Oh, they fucked up. That's not a duo. They Okay, they switched it to best cast sometimes. But not always. And it's also been best on-screen team. So that they could give it to, in 2018 to the movie It. Because it just had way too many people. <laughs> Uh, so, guys, as you know, or maybe you don't know, last weekend, the weekend before we recorded this, they had the um, MTV Movie Award uh, Greatest of All Time winners list. Because they didn't do an actual ceremony this year because no movies came out. So, <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens hosted a ceremony where they do, like, here's the greatest of all time for this category. Even though I assume these are mostly new categories that came up for, for this year. Example, greatest of all time comedy giant is Kevin Hart for just everything he's done. Has he made a single good movie? (laughs) I'm sure he's made a few okay movies. Uh, Kevin Bacon won the greatest of all time dance your ass off. That's not even really a sentence. Mm -hmm. For Footloose. Just for Footloose. Movie that came out 30 something years ago. But here's what I wanted to get to. They did the greatest of all time dynamic duo. And you want to know who it is? It's Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore for every movie they've done together. (laughs) That's so weird. Okay, I gotta gotta read a few more of these. I'm sorry, I know we're supposed to talk about The Rock. But the greatest of all time legendary lip lock went to Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair in Cruel Intentions. See, that's weird because that seems like something that would have happened like back when that movie actually came out. Yeah. Not something that people would still be talking about twenty something years later. It's like it's not like that was the last time two women kissed in a movie. Who <laughs> it's, made this it's not ceremony anymore? And of course the greatest of all time breakup in a movie, guys, is forgetting Sir Marshall. <laughs> sure. They based the whole movie around it. The greatest Shiro, which is a female hero, is Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. What's wrong with heroin? No, Sean, Shiro. <laughs> <laughs> Chadwick Boseman won the hero for the ages. That one actually makes sense. And the Zero to Hero award went to William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence for that Karate Kid show. 1996 had the category Best Sandwich in a Movie. <laughs> nice. Oh, God. Well, we could just talk about this all day. Sean, I gotta know what the nominees are. There were three nominees. Okay. Uh, the two that did not win were the Turkey Club Sandwich from the movie Four Rooms. Uh, and the sub- okay. <laughs> and the Submarine Sandwich with Tomatoes and Provolone from GoldenEye. And the winner of Best Sandwich in a Movie was Ham and Cheese Sandwich from the movie Smoke. <laughs> the Harvey Keitel movie? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's a pretty like obscure yeah. like indies indie nineties. Why? It's also weird. Why like you know? <laughs> like you think they would make that category just so they could give it to some really notable sandwich in a famous movie, but like none of those movies were that big a hits. Yeah, I was gonna guess in my head as like, oh, maybe this is the year that like Happy Gilmore came out, and in that movie he gets like a subway sponsorship. Yeah, not fucking 
Harvey Keitel <laughs> eating a sandwich and smoke. Do you think it's like, oh, guys, I think I can get Harvey Keitel to come to the MTV Movie Awards, <laughs> but we got to nominate him for something. Actually, he'll only show up if he wins. <laughs> so Harvey Keitel could go up the, you know, in front of all the screaming teenagers to collect his golden popcorn for best sandwich. Do you think he brought the sandwich up with him? <laughs> yeah. Hey kids, you like this, huh? Hey, you like this? Look, I'm I'm eating the sandwich. Yeah. And then he did. He, uh, I'm sure, abuse and butthead presented him with his award. Beavis <laughs> <laughs> and butthead and Howard Stern presented. That's probably how it happened. Carby got tell with his award for best sandwich. <laughs> Oh, I do know that Howard Stern did, uh, uh, remember his classic fart man character? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he, he did a fart man appearance at MTV Movie Awards. Where's that movie, fart man? <laughs> We're asking the big questions yeah, now. Yeah, I think the time has passed. Fart man. I'm sure there was a script in development at some point in the late 90s. Okay. But The Rock, you guys. Um, I remember they stopped the bad guys, but I don't remember the very end because I started to fall asleep. I know it that it is all great. Okay, all go, killer, take, no filler at take, the end take, of the movie. Take it away, Sean. So after uh, Goodspeed fires the rocket, um, the decision has been made by our goofy president who for some reason they were like we're going to put a president in this movie for one scene so we can have a good speech about what it means to be the president which i'm sure is the Aaron Sorkin contribution to the oh, movie. Oh, if i can interrupt real quick, i did i did notice that this this guy is also the president in Armageddon and in both movies he's just credited as the president. The president. So he he decides uh, the marine the the marines are too dangerous so it's they're going to blow up Alcatraz because uh, killing the hostages and the Marines is better than letting them fire um, the the missiles into the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they send it's also uh, the second movie in a row where a president has to make that decision. <laughs> it's like in White House down and someone has to come out and like flag the the jet pilots down to make sure they don't actually fire the rockets at yeah. this landmark so so goodspeed does that he runs out with flares and he does uh the platoon thing where he falls down in a cross it's, it's shape pretty yeah. epic. because it's really he cool. does not michael bay doesn't really have original ideas but <laughs> what i enjoy is the first the first plane drops his bomb anyway and <laughs> you see goodspeed go flying through the air <laughs> Like he's definitely dead. This is this massive fireball. You see Nicolas Cage's body flying through it. it. It doesn't make any goddamn sense how he survives that. But they're like, no, there were no casualties to that bomb. It was just a, just really badly aimed. Um. So he he gets up there, and uh, you know he survives, and he finds Sean Connery, who's also survived. Um. Uh, because Ed Harris got shot by his own guys, and all the soldier guys are dead now. Um, and and he tells Sean Connery that like that pardon he was gonna get, he's not really gonna get. But uh, he he instead calls in to John Spencer and says he was vaporized in the explosion, so he lets Sean Connery go. Uh, which I like because like 
John Spencer comes in. He's like, really? Vaporized? That can happen? I think that's the one funny part for me in the movie. He's, he's fooled by that. But then the movie doesn't end. Yeah, in my um, memory, it ends there, but I totally the forgot about I, this. The, scene. I remember everything. I remember everything you're talking about, and then I started to get sleepy and couldn't remember the rest. So uh, Sean Connery gives a note to Goodspeed, and the note says to go to this church and uh, like break off a leg of one of the pews, uh, implying that it's the uh, the United States intelligence that. Uh, he had stole all those years ago that he wouldn't give up. And so we get this final scene of the movie where Goodspeed's being chased out of a church by an angry priest for having, you know, broken one of the pews. Uh, and his wife, like, drives him off uh, in her sweet car. And he's like, honey, you, you want to know who shot, who really shot JFK? And the movie ends. It's like, wait, you suddenly made a more interesting movie than everything we've seen so far. And that's how you're going to end this? So well, maybe they so figured they'd bring ending. Stanley Goodspeed back. And that's The Rock. And it's a fun movie. It's ridiculous, but it's in the best way. In the like, most entertaining way you want. And it's not perfect, but it's kind of that's kind of also one of its charms, is that it's goofy and weird and not everything makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's what makes it so much fun. This makes it a great popcorn flick. So, definitely a blast. This is an easy watch. Had a, had a good time watching The Rock. Um, yeah. I don't know. You guys have already seen it before, so I don't know if you had any, like... Did you guys gain anything new out of your recent viewings of The Rock? <laughs> no. Really, I mean, I think I liked it a little more than I remembered. Um, it, it just does have that problem where it's just like a little bit too long. Like it maybe could have cut like one or two of its action sequences. Yeah. Because it's like the plot isn't that complicated. It doesn't really need to be an epic. But I think uh, I don't know. Michael Bay was just he was just trying to move into that like gigantic epic blockbuster territory like it feels like he was kind of i don't know auditioning to make his independence day or something which he he did with his next movie armageddon basically but yeah it's pretty fun i like it i i would bet it's if not the shortest movie he's ever yeah, that, that's the thing. Do it. <laughs> it's like it's like this, only like two this hours. Is him long. It is most restrained, but it still feels like mm, it could have trimmed a little. Now, bit. well, now I'm kind of curious how long some of his other ones are. I can tell you this movie's a little longer than the first Bad Boys. That's probably his shortest. Ooh, Armageddon's long movie. Yeah. Uh, Pearl Harbor is a very long movie. God, and it's so bad too. Bad Boys 2 is a pretty long... These are all, like, way over two hours. <laughs> I'm, like, literally clicking through all of them. God, even The Island is 136 minutes. What about Pain and Gain, though? That was, like, his smaller indie movie. Pain and Gain Ooh, is 129 minutes. So it is shorter than The Rock. Yeah, a little bit. But these are these are long-ass movies, dude. That's weird to have, like, really long action movies. Yeah. You gotta have all because you gotta be able to do like okay we're gonna do like a twenty minute like car chase we're not gonna get to Alcatraz till an hour into the movie 
Yeah. You gotta have time for all the action. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. That's like his his shtick. Um, Sean, do you have any goofs for us? Yeah, there's a there's a ton in this movie, so I encourage everyone <laughs> to go look up uh, that IMDb goof section. The one that made me laugh uh, is just it's just one sentence, but there's just some it's so matter of fact. I I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reads again, it's just this one sentence. No antidote injection could possibly prevent something from melting one's skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Prove it. <laughs> it's my challenge. That's really funny. Um, and you know, it it wouldn't be uh the pick if I didn't do a John's Rose Gallery. God, I love being a bad guy. Okay, guys, we got General Hummel. He is an evil doer. He's Ed Harris's character. His full name is Francis Xavier Hummel. That's pretty cool. Xavier's a badass middle name. Aliases General Hummel, Brigadier General Francis, Xavier Hummel, Blackbird, and Frank. That's right. Origin The Rock. Occupation. U.S. Marine Corps Force Reconnaissance Ranking Officer. Powers, Skills, Intellect. Yeah, I guess. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and Gunsmanship. And that's it. Seems like All right. could add some more. John, I'm for the first time ever, I'm going to challenge you because I am going to read the section about General Hummel from Heroes Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> okay you want to read up to the point of uh power skills yes or whatever I do. their equivalent is brigadier general francis xavier hummel is a do-gooder <laughs> aliases are blackbird and frank occupation u.s marine corps force reconnaissance officer power skills proficiency in handgun <laughs> singular <laughs> also very high intelligence. <laughs> the exact same things that I said. Yeah, yeah just worded differently. I love the it. The heroes wiki likes him a lot more. It's <laughs> the fact that they see him as a hero, so they've got to play up his high All right. intelligence. All right. Ho- okay, I'm going on to hobby. Uh, using his using mil- his military. <laughs> Where are you going with this, John? <laughs> Using his military experience in a negative way. <laughs> it's the same one. Good. It's the same one for both. He's a hero because he uses experience in a bad way. Okay. How about goals? I'll do mine first. And I'm going to assume it's very similar yeah. to what you it's have. It's really long. I'll just tell you if it's the same. Receive $100 million from the Grand Cayman Red Sea Trading Company and distribute them to the families of the fallen Marines, including his men. Kill Agent Stanley Goodspeed and ex-Captain John Patrick Mason. Formerly, all failed. Help Goodspeed get to the last rocket. Succeeded. Okay, so they add one. (laughs) Seek redemption and help Goodspeed get to the last... So I guess they just added those two words. Seek redemption. (laughs) But succeeded. This is interesting, because if you do think about it, he does try to redeem himself. I don't know if that quite makes him a hero, but... 
It's it's interesting way to look at it. Okay, so Villains Wiki has crimes. Does Heroes Wiki have a, a different thing? He has friends and enemies. All right, I'll do I'll do crimes and then you do your two. Mine are boring. It's just a list of the characters in the movie. Okay. Oh well, then his crimes are terrorism, treason, theft, and death threats. Um, and I assume, do you have a type of villain? Or a type of hero, I mean? I do have a type of hero, but I bet it's the same as your type of villain. Hmm. Oh, then it's up to Colin to guess both. Yeah, I was gonna maybe guess two for for each, but if it's, we think it's the same. Um. I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I, it could be different. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, misunderstood renegade i actually really like that okay sean i'll tell you what mine says uh he is a tragic warlord Ooh, they are different do you want to throw one more guess in then colin um no i, don't. I feel like colin's guess is pretty good <laughs> he is a type of hero is redeemed tragic villain redeemed tragic villain it's a weird kind of hero, a redeemed tragic villain. It's a little too general for me, but okay. It it really makes me wonder how intertwined these sites are. Like, do you have the same person filling out both, but then just making them slightly different? It's also really weird, like, admitting that he is a villain, but still putting him on Hero's Wiki. What, what quote do they put at the top of uh, Villain's Wiki? Um, well, the way it's set up on my phone, the quote's right under um, his bio, and it says, the first, well, there's a bunch of quotes, but the first one is, um, this isn't about terrorism, this is about justice. It's about reminding <laughs> you people who found it politically convenient to forget. Yeah, it's the same goddamn quote. What the <laughs> fuck? How much does this is copy and paste it? Uh, yeah, okay, well, so it's like they did a control F. So the first sentence, Brigadier General Francis Xavier Hummel, this is from uh, Villains Wiki, okay. is the antagonist turned anti-villain of the 1996 action thriller film The Rock. And then uh, on Heroes Wiki, they've changed it to Brigadier General Francis Xavier Hummel is the anti-hero of the 1996 movie The Rock. It's the exact same shit. Maybe two guys couldn't agree over whether he's a hero <laughs> or a villain. Maybe they thought it'd be a spoiler to like not have him on one or the other. So tricky be guessing. It really makes you wonder how many other villains we've done in this segment that are also on the hero version. Like, <laughs> is Denzel Washington from Training Day also on the hero one? Doesn't seem like a good guy, but I don't know. Yeah. Or is like Count Dracula? Hmm. I, that just makes no sense to me. Um, I guess, oh yeah, we have another pick to make. What am I doing? We got another pick, Sean. It's your pick, right? Yeah, and tis the season to maybe watch a movie that's a Christmas. I don't know. It seems like a holiday movie, <laughs> but, um, but I don't actually know if it, if it's, maybe it's just holiday adjacent. Maybe it's just a movie that was released, uh, at the time of the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, again, unless, unless we, uh, didn't pick up on it, uh, and it's already happened, uh, I am forcing us to award the coveted, uh, 
the pick three Pete award to British actor Hugh Bonneville because for my pick, I am picking Paddington and Paddington too. I mean, this was going to happen regardless because I was planning on picking Notting Hill at some point, and he's also in Notting Hill, so it was an it was an inevitability. So I mean, weird. Hugh Bonneville, he's great. He's I don't even like know who icon. he is. <laughs> is he a Downton Abbey or something? Yeah, he's, he's a star the, of Downton Abbey. The patriarch right. of Downton Abbey. He's Mister Downton. It's right. <laughs> not his name. Mm, could have fooled me. This movie is also it's just another one like the movie we watched this week. Where I'm like, I'm gonna have to keep track of so many names now because they're like pretty big casts. Because I got you got Jim Broadbent, you got Peter Capaldi, you got Brendan Gleeson, Hugh Grant, Michael Gambon. Uh, so did you? Are we watching both Paddingtons? Or did you just pick the second one. Uh, I I mean I I, we gotta watch both to like get the feel of it, but we'll yeah, see I I don't goes. think we're gonna go as in depth as we did when we talked about both uh, Goosebumps movies, but <laughs> you oh god, this is like a great companion piece to Goosebumps too because I know the writer of Paddington has a cameo in the first Paddington movie, just like how Arl Stein had a cameo <laughs> in Goosebumps. <laughs> Because uh, nice. I think people like the Paddington movies a little more than they like the Goosebumps movies. I mean, that's that's the intriguing thing is there is so much, especially for Paddington too. That was like it was on people's movie of the year list. The year it came out, I feel like it was like nominated for like multiple Baftas. <laughs> uh, it's like the most Big celebrated film. film in England of recent year, and eats marmalade sandwiches. I have a very vivid memory of my, maybe my, I should probably say this for the Paddington podcast, but maybe my first day of kindergarten or one of my first days and they gave us all books to look at and mine was Paddington. I remember mine was Paddington and Sean, I remember the teacher going to Sean and going, ooh, the blueberry boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the book that Sean got to read. Or maybe it was the Blueberry Muffin Boy. I'm going to look that up. I'll have an answer for you about that next time we do uh, an episode of The Pick. Is that the earliest memory you have of Sean? It's going it's deep. one of them. I remember. <laughs> I feel like I remember. It's tough because, like, people tell you, like, your parents tell you, like, when you, like, met, like, tell me when I met Sean. But, like, I can't remember if I'm remembering that, if they're just, I'm remembering what they told me. Yeah, memory of a memory. Mm. Yeah. So I don't really know. That's well, yeah, gotta be one they, of my first Sean memories. They say that's how memory works, though. Like when you remember something, you're actually just remembering the last time you remembered it, which is haunting. <laughs> I'm gonna look into this blueberry boy thing. Uh, but if you like what you heard, and if you like um, all our MTV Movie Award coverage, um, you know, check out more episodes of the Pick. You can find us at mildlypleased.com. You can also search. Uh, iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Just search Mildly Please and you can find this show. And uh, until next time, see you later, suckers. 